Killed as a bastard, orphan, son of a whore and a Scotsman Dropped in the middle of a forgotten spot in the Caribbean By providence impoverished and squalor Grow up to be a hero and a scholar the $10. Hello and welcome to the podcast where it happens. It's another Hamilton podcast. It's the last Hamilton podcast you'll ever need. I'm your co-host, Marcelo Pico, here to talk once again about Hamilton. And with me, as always, is my co-host, Paul Smith. Hey, Paul. Yo, yo, yo. What time is it? Uh, Hamilton time. <laughs> Come on. Well, uh, yeah, I'm back, and it's a it's a new world, man. It it's it's a different world. The world turned upside down because you have now gotten to see Hamilton. Yeah, things have changed over the weekend considerably, because <laughs> um, yeah, the Hamilton movie was released on Disney Plus. Uh, I have seen it. I'm assuming millions of others have seen it. I don't know what the numbers are. But I, I have the numbers as of yesterday. Oh, uh, wait, hold on to those numbers. I want to hear those in a bit. Um, let's okay. first let's introduce ourselves. Yes, I'm Marcelo Pico. Uh, back in 2016, when we started the podcast, where it happens, I had not listened to Hamilton at the start, uh, but Paul guided me through the original cast recording of Hamilton track by track. And after that, we we talked about Hamilton. Uh, there was like a Tony's episode, I think. There was uh, an SNL episode. The Hamilton mixtape we talked about. Moana we talked about. Uh, then cut to four years later, we're back to talk about the Hamilton movie. Uh, Paul, is that, is that all track? Is that all? If, if, did, did, did they get that all right, Paul? <laughs> yeah, I think so. It's all. It's it's a little bit of a blur, <laughs> the, the intervening years. But yeah, that basically covers it. I have to say, um, if I remember correctly, when we did uh, an episode about the Hamilton mixtape. Yes. I don't think, at the time, I don't think either one of us was particularly fond of it. Um, I, 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 that's an episode I have not listened to all the way through again, you know, since, yeah. since publishing it back four years ago, I, I, you know, I, I did listen back to it actually, you know, uh, with, with this whole resurgence, uh, uh, of Hamilton in the last few weeks, um, I was like, yeah, I'll listen back to original cast recording. I listened back to the Hamilton mixtape. I, I remember liking it, you know, but I never really, it's not one I, I wanted to revisit. You know, I didn't have the need to revisit, um, but some of that, some of those tracks work, like the the Ashante Jaro track. I think that works uh-huh. still. Um, yeah, you know, I think the, one of the opening tracks is good, the one with Buster Rhymes. But uh, but yeah, I, yeah. I, I was gonna say I have not revisited it. Um, I I just remember being a little bit disappointed. Uh, it's it's entirely possible that there were tracks on it that I enjoyed more than others, but for the most part, I remember being kind of underwhelmed. Um, and since the the Hamilton film on Disney Plus, as the credits are rolling, this is the thing you don't get when you see it on Broadway, is you get <laughs> a list of credits rolling um, at the end. They play that uh, that Buster Rhymes version yeah. uh, off of the Hamilton mixtape. And just listening to that, I was like, wow, I, I like this a lot more than I remembered I did. Maybe I should revisit. So yeah. I have not, but I'm... I'm I'm days away probably from finally digging that out and listening to it again. Give it a shot. I, I know there were a few tracks I did not like. I, I went through and just read through some of the tracks and I completely forgot there was a Jimmy Fallon track. And I'm like, no, 
No, thank you. I, I'd forgotten that too. Pass. Does he do one of the? Does he do like a, a King George thing? I yeah, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure that's the case. Okay. And and um, yeah, go back to that episode. I think it was episode like nine or ten of original series, where we we go through that. I think track by track. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong thinking I I liked it. You know, <laughs> maybe go back and uh, uh, you'll 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 hear me go. Yeah, this is not good at all. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. Uh, be uh, uh, you guys be the judge and go listen back to the, to the mixtape and, and us talking about it. Um, but yeah, okay. So uh, one and uh, I did watch the movie obviously for this. <laughs> Imagine if I had come to this and said, you know what, Paul, I didn't have a chance to see it. You know, I just saw like, the first ten minutes and then I had to go do something else. Um, <laughs> That's all right. You're familiar with it. We yeah. we've, uh, we recorded episodes where you talked about the the music, so you're familiar. Yeah, yeah. You know what? That's one thing. Oh my gosh. I I've in the last few weeks I've tried to avoid Twitter drama. Um, oh yeah. I've been congratulations. I've been on it. I've been on it a lot. You know, because of quarantine and the pandemic. You know, re- recently up up until a few weeks ago, where I was like. You know what? I'm gonna pull back. I'm gonna you know stop tweeting as much and you know not not let it get to me. And I really try to. I did. I actually, I did avoid the 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 Hamilton discourse for the most part, um, specifically. And there are some legitimate criticisms against Hamilton, which I want to get into here. You know, uh, in, in this episode eventually. But here's something I think we both can agree on, Paul. Okay. When this argument really got to me, and I did not respond to this person, I'm not going to call this person out, but this person was like, you don't need the, the movie, you don't need video of the thing, we have the cast recording, you know, that's all you need, you know, you know, you know, <laughs> you know the, the, the cast recording speaks for itself, there's no need to watch the movie. Interesting. This is not a. This is not one of the Hamilton controversies I was aware was out there. That there are people. Yeah, there are more resisting the notion of it being even being a film. Yeah, there are more legitimate criticisms than this, Paul. But this uh, one is just weird to me. I go, what? I I was I I I held back in response of me just saying, what are you talking about? <laughs> because at, at, at this point, I had seen. Uh, some of it, and I'll get into how I saw this thing. It was, it was a weird situation, but I, I saw a, a, enough of it where I'm like, "Listen, like uh, the cast recording does hold up on its own." To me, the cast recording is essentially, you could say, it's like a concept album, you know. Mm-hmm. But watching it play out, watching the visuals with it, it's like an entirely new thing to me. Like those performances come through anyway. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get into it. But that was one criticism, one thing I saw that that this guy was like really adamant about it. It's like you know, we're, we're <laughs> the cast recording is enough. He said. I go. Oh, anyway, interesting. It's, it's weird. Interesting. Right? It's weird. It's weird. <laughs> yeah. And, but no, and that gets get that gets into the greater conversation. You know about uh, I, I did see the movie and I saw the um, the uh, roundtable discussion on Disney Plus. Right. Uh, this is not a an ad for Disney Plus, but hey, for seven bucks, you can see a play that at one point was you know a ticket for you know obstruction view was like two hundred bucks or something. Um, for for seven bucks, you can watch this thing and also watch like uh, Avengers Endgame. So on Disney Plus, you get the movie, and then you also get like a thirty minute uh, roundtable discussion with uh, the cast and the director. 
And I believe it was uh, Lynn Manuel Miranda who said um, he he was excited to get this out at this time because, and, and I, I don't know if we touched on this in the last episode, but he wanted to get it out now because of the pandemic and how Broadway is not coming back until you know 2021, and there needs to be just a reminder of how and why Broadway is important. And this yeah. definitely shows it. And, and and he says his estimation is like within the first weekend, within the first like five days of release, more people will have seen Hamilton than like in the first five years of its run, you know, on Broadway. Yeah. So I, I don't know if those numbers hold up. Paul, apparently you have the numbers. Well, the number the numbers that I have are for downloads of Disney Plus. I haven't I haven't found. I'm sure these are out there, but I just haven't found numbers for how many times. I don't even know if you can track if Disney Plus can track how many times it's been viewed. I'm but, sure uh, I'm sure they're on Netflix where they keep it, you know, all, all uh, you know, all to themselves. They know exactly how many people you know tune in. Yeah, but they won't yeah. release that publicly. Maybe. Yeah. Anyways, do you want those numbers now? Why don't we save them? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> let's, uh, well, no, uh, yeah, let's just save them. Let's save them, like, towards the end of the show, because that, that'll keep people interested. If you want to know what the sure. numbers are as sure. of yesterday, listeners, of how many Disney Plus downloads there are, just wait till later <laughs> on in the episode. It's a tease, okay? <laughs> yeah. um, okay. How do we do this? Um, how many times have you managed to see it now, Paul? T- today is Tuesday the 7th. Uh, it was released on Friday the 3rd. Uh, how many times did you end up seeing the movie, Paul? I've actually only watched it twice. Okay. The, the Disney Plus film. Because, so we watched it on July the 3rd, uh, the day it came out. We actually watched it that night because my in-laws, um, we had taken them to see one of the showings. So they had seen it once, but neither one of them, they're in their 70s and neither one of them is a big like stage production fan necessarily. They're a fan of the, they'd heard the music and they wanted to see it, but they didn't get the most out of their like live experience. Uh, my father-in-law could barely hear any of any of it. So he was super excited uh, for this film to come out and they don't have Disney plus, And we were like, okay, I mean, I pushed back against the whole social distancing thing <laughs> and all that. But regardless, we, set up the house so that we didn't all have to be right on top of each other. And we've got a projector we have a projector and we projected it up on the wall, the massive wall in the great room. So it was like a, a 12 by 18 or something projection. And we watched it that night and it was glorious. And then my wife thought that I was just going to watch. So that was Friday night. And then my wife figured I'd be watching it like every day after that to, to prepare for this podcast on Tuesday. And I was like, is that that's not really necessary. Like, I mean, (laughs) I don't, I don't think that I need to, to beef up my Hamilton knowledge for this podcast on Tuesday. I think I'm good. Like I've, I've seen it enough and listened to it enough, but uh, anyways, yeah. So we watched it again last night, but. Okay. Yeah. And I have also seen it twice. Um, I'll get into, well, I'll just jump into how I watched this twice over the last weekend. Um, Friday night, I watched half of it. I watched act one because uh, I work a 12 hour job and I had to work the next day. Um, mm. yeah, it's rough. So I came home at 8 PM, you know, made dinner, sat down, was going to watch something else, but I'm like, well, 
it's Hamilton for God's sakes. You know, I have to see at least some of it. I kind of knew in my head I couldn't see the whole thing, so I was like, I'll see Act One at least, okay, and then I'll and then I'll see Act Two maybe tomorrow, you know, the next day, but I'll, at least Friday I'll see Act One. So I saw Act One Friday night. Then um, I did have I did you know already have plans to go visit my family. Again, I mean, we're in the middle of a, a pandemic. I, I I was as careful as possible. You know, it was a very small gathering, super small. Like it's just my immediate family for my sister's birthday on the fourth, um, and and then I tried to watch it there, but there was no Wi-Fi at my parents' house. Long story, but there was no Wi-Fi, so I connected my because uh, I brought my Apple TV, expecting you know to have entertainment you know <laughs> and also maybe to <laughs> squeeze in hamilton while i was you know visiting my parents no wi-fi i was like okay fine i figured this out i plugged in my apple tv there i used my uh, uh my iphone's hotspot <laughs> um so <laughs> it's i a very I, cobbled together experience yes yes but i did manage to get it playing um and the my my family who was there my nephews my mom and my sister, um, they were not into it. <laughs> oh, man. And it was one of those things where I'm like, okay, we're going to see a movie. Because like, we, we, we always tend to do that. Like, we're going to see a movie because we are getting because we haven't seen each other in a long time. This is what we do. So, it, uh, Hamilton wasn't the movie we were going to watch. But I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play it and just see what happens. You know? Like, like the, it, was a, it was a middle period. It's like, we're not going to see the, uh, the movie we're going to see yet. We were planning to see Invisible Man, uh, the new Invisible Man, which is amazing, by the way. Uh, Elizabeth Moss is amazing. We ended up seeing that later, but I was like, okay, this is this is the in-between time. We're here in the living room. Why not just put on Hamilton and see what happens? My nephew, I was like, maybe my nephew, who's like, I think, eight at this point, maybe he'll get into it. And maybe I'll be surprised and like he'll be like, ooh, no. He did not care for this at all. <laughs> <laughs> he's like what is this why is this happening how much longer is this i go okay <laughs> um so hamilton lasted for about it went on for longer than i expected before i turned it off uh for about 40 minutes and then i'm like okay fine nobody's getting into this i'll save this for later <laughs> um you know he my nephew complained so much he just left and just did not come back <laughs> he went to another room <laughs> um so and then we saw invisible man and they loved that and then and then cut to i drove back home came back last night i put on act two so yes so it was a it was a three-day <laughs> split as a three-day intermission between act one and act two for me sat down watched act two no, it wasn't last night. It was this morning, actually. Because you know, like last night, I just watched some. I had to watch Star Trek: Inner Darkness for another podcast. Anyway, I watched Act Two this morning. So Tuesday morning. So between Friday night, Tuesday morning it was that was the intermission. And then I saw it again in full this afternoon, right before we start recording now. So in how many days? Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Tuesday in about four four or five days I saw it twice very weird <laughs> very split well, way I, I was I was going to ask if maybe you had decided to watch it in six installments to follow <laughs> along with our original <laughs> you podcast know what? order I thought about that but I was like no that would be insane <laughs> <laughs> 
just watch like 10 songs uh, yeah. a week for a month or something. Uh, that actually came to mind as I was watching it. I'm like, yeah, this is where we split. You know, th- this is where Paul, you know, split the episodes. Like uh, th- this song is at the end of like part, you know, act one, par- act, act one, part one, then act, you know, one part two. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, those are my, that. that's how I saw it. You know, if we want to get into how I felt about it, we'll get, we'll dive deep into that. But I want, I want to start with you, Paul. Okay. Because let's, let's go back. How many times have you seen it live now? God, we're doing this again. Yes. Let's do it. Just, yes. Six times. Yes. Just a reminder for folks, not to, (laughs) not to, I don't know, point it out and just, you know, uh, not the, the, the word is not shame, you know, not to be envious, not to <laughs> just say, look at you having Sam seen it six times, you on your, you know, pedestal. No, no, no. You know, <laughs> because it, you, you have, you've seen it and, and you talked about this last episode, you've seen it enough where, and with different casts, right? Um, right. That uh, each performance is like its own, its own thing. And, you know, cause like that's the greatness of life theater. It just feels yeah in fact in fact um we saw it the second and third time we saw it were both chicago um and they were it was chicago we saw it we went to chicago for uh we bought tickets in advance for a chicago showing we got there the day before uh went to the theater we were like oh, let's just see if they have tickets they did so we saw it that night and then we saw it again the next night and those two uh, viewings at the same theater 24 hours apart had different casts they had rotated out some casts so all six times that i've seen it has been a different cast which means that the performance has been different each performance has been unique and in fact the first time we saw it was the broadway original cast but when we saw the original cast uh, uh lin-manuel miranda and chris jackson so that's alexander and washington were both out Um, I think, I don't remember one of them was sick and one of them was on vacation. I don't remember, but so we've seen the original cast, but we had never seen Lynn and Chris Jackson. Uh, yeah. So the movie is the first time in full you've seen, uh, Lynn Manuel Miranda's performance as Hamilton, right? Right. Well, right. Yeah. So we have that in common at least. (laughs) Yeah. Um, what uh, overall, like, how did you feel? watching this uh live performance because uh, w- one thing i'll say is like i n- have never really watched um live theater period you know mm-hmm. i can count on one hand how many times i've done it and then watching it um in this format like uh, via you know on video and on film i mean sorry as a film you know uh cut like a film with close-ups and everything i don't know i i, I can't even remember the last time i saw you know that in full um so talk about that paul like how, how often do you watch like recorded performances and and then maybe get into just how you felt about watching it as a film itself i mean I've, I've seen you know a handful of uh of stage performances that were that have been captured on film or whatever like that's the only way i've ever seen uh a phantom of the opera i've seen the in fact when was it it wasn't that long ago that they broadcast they did like a free broadcast of the 25th anniversary performance or something i don't remember what it was but um so i mean i've watched that and i've seen i've seen various uh stage productions like on dvd or on cable or whatever um and usually i mean i'm i'm usually content i've also seen a handful of 
uh, of stage productions like live in theaters. Um, and I will tell you that each has its pros and cons. Like obviously watching it on Disney plus I could sit in my comfortable house and drink my own comfortable beverages and not have to <laughs> not have to deal with the tiny, tiny seats that most of these theaters cram you into and all of the people that are around you. Um, uh, but the, I mean, we've got a pretty good sound system, but like nothing beats the audio experience of actually being there in the theater, hearing it live. So the Disney film uh, presentation was absolutely fantastic. It was glorious. There was so much about it. My wife and I noticed so many new things by being able to see it like in high def with, with close-up shots on the actors as they were performing and all that um, stuff that we have never seen in the six performances we'd seen live. But there is just a, there's a visceral experience to actually being in the theater and having that or orchestral music like play right in front of you. So, yeah, I, okay. So my immediate reaction to this is within the first, I'd say five, five minutes or so of this, of the movie playing, um, mm-hmm. I immediately thought, oh, I may have undersold um, my anticipation for this or how important this was <laughs> last time we talked because I, it, it immediately hit me. I go, oh, this is what I've been waiting for for four years now. <laughs> like this, the, what I'm seeing in front of me, you know, even though it is on like a – and I have a pretty decent sound system. I have a 55-inch 4K television. I was seeing it in Dolby because I have the, the Apple TV 4K. It was pristine. It sounded amazing. Immediately, the stage production just took you, you know, into it. I think as soon as like I saw the first close-up of, of Miranda as Hamilton, I go, "Oh, this is it." <laughs> I yeah, yeah I, this is what I've been waiting for, and this is amazing. So I immediately kind of like got an emotional. Go, oh yeah, this yeah, uh, this is what I wanted to see. Well, good, because I'll tell you, that's what I and all of the listeners are here today to to hear about is your experience. No one wants to hear about how I've seen it live six times. <laughs> no, one, Everyone is sick to death of hearing about that at this point. What we all want to know is how you felt finally getting to see it. The original cast, like, did this live up to your expectations? Um, are you okay? <laughs> Listen, I had a... I, I think I, I think it was a smart move for me to split this uh, into into two parts for my first time watch, <laughs> because I, I my my heart probably could not have handled um, watching it in full the first night, um, because that first I, I still I, I said this in the last episode, the first act of Hamilton, I think is perfect, and mm-hmm. and watching it play out as as you know. On video, with the actors performing it, performing performing is the word I'm gonna use a lot. That first act is incredible. I was close to tears. I think maybe one, you know, dribbled down. By the end of it, I was I, I, maybe like five times. I was like that emotional. Like one being emotional just of the story itself, and then another part of me just saying, "Yes, this is amazing." This performance of all the actors involved, of the ensemble. Um, like one one moment in particular, which I remember you describing or trying to describe to me uh, four years ago, 
is the 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 uh, the uh, rewind uh, that yes. moment yeah yeah that moment i'm like wow <laughs> what and and i'm happy you you tried your best paul to describe what was happening on stage you know and uh, and then th- this kind of goes into that it's it's not even an argument it's just a silly thing somebody said on twitter about how all you need is the cast recording no no the hamilton the play is a play with like amazing choreography and stage production with a rotating stage and these props all of that is used to perfection in that one moment in the rewind and if you don't know what we're talking about why are you even here? Um, it's 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 uh, it, what, what are the songs? It's, it's satisfied. Satisfied. Satisfied yeah. is the song. during yeah. during the satisfied song. The rewind. I I, I again. This it's it's gonna be a lot for me to process and try to tr- break down here. But I'm gonna try my, try my best. But that encapsulates why this is like an amazing film. Because it shows you those pieces, you know, that are missing from the stage recording, from like just hearing the cast album and not seeing it live, because you're missing out on a lot. Um, That in particular, as much as I could try to replicate that in my mind, you know, like kind of like reading a book, I'm like, you know, I I, piece together, you know, with the the lyrics and and just hearing the, the the. the, you know the singers try to you know create a create a story in my head i could not envision something like that and that is like yeah it, 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 it's incredible to see it play out just, i'll tell you just watching it that first time on on the third the night it came out um again seen it several times on stage so i don't know why it struck me watching it at home the first time but specifically that number the satisfied and the rewind i i did actually consciously think about what it would be like coming back for the podcast tonight to talk about it because i felt like i i don't remember how well i described it on the podcast where it happens but i felt like surely i had not done it justice because there are so many like i said my wife and i noticed new stuff uh watching it on disney disney plus that we never probably never could have noticed on stage production because even even like the first time we saw it on broadway we were in the second row we were literally like right up on stage in fact when king george comes out for his second song and he walks he basically walks right up to the front of the stage stage left um he we were i don't know six feet away from him maybe (laughs) 10 feet away from him when he was singing basically all the spit that you see jonathan groff spewing Uh he's singing which is a big which is a big joke that's going around right now i'm pretty sure i commented on this on the podcast he was spitting all over us (laughs) um but even being that close there's just stuff there's too much going on on stage and there's you know you're too far away from the actors you don't get the nuance of their facial performance and there are so many little moving parts and, and background ensemble players that you you just can't focus on when you're right there in the theater and so watching it uh you know projected up on the wall in high def uh that number in particular the rewind i was like my god there's a lot of stuff happening right here there's there, there's so many like the actors literally retracing their steps from the previous number backwards and resetting their stage posi- position it's just 
I don't know. It's it's stunning. There's no possible way that I described it adequately. I think you did your best. Anybody, <laughs> I mean, there's nobody I think who who can do it justice. You know, through a podcast. You know, having to tell yeah. somebody who hasn't seen it. You know, here's what happens during the rewind point. Nobody can do it justice. You have to see it for yourself. Um, and, and yeah, just we we touched on how there's just a lot of close-ups in this. And one thing that has been pointed out, um, like, 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 like you're saying, like, uh, you're, you're experiencing it live, you know, in, uh, in the second row, but even then, like you, you aren't close enough to see, you know, <laughs> the minute detail of, of these, of the actors faces. It's like that first mm-hmm. close up of, of Miranda when he steps in as Hamilton, you know, the camera is just right. It's, it's like a full frame close up of his face. Like yeah. there's no way anybody in the audience is going to get that close of a shot. You know, that's why I feel like this is like, it's, it's, it, yeah, it is its own thing. Anybody who see who, I mean, you've seen it six times. Um, again, not to overemphasize that, but you've seen it six times. Gotcha. I've seen it zero. Um, you know, <laughs> even, even you coming and seeing the movie, like, yeah, like, like, like you're saying, you, you're seeing things you haven't even seen, like these details that you may have missed. So there's this, there's this thing where, I, I guess I subconsciously, um, watching this on stage and, and any other stage production I've ever seen, I, I sort of subconsciously had this sense of being a stage performer. Your art is, uh, projecting to the back of the theater. So like being able to project your voice that far and your movements and your like physical performance is very large and oversized because you're trying to sell it to a lot. you you want the people in the back row to be able to tell what's happening on stage what never really consciously at least occurred to me is that the actors are also like giving a genuine acting performance. Like the, I don't know. I, I, I had this, this subconscious sense that stage performance is one kind of acting. And then like the acting that you see television actors do is something entirely different. And watching the Disney plus film, uh, and getting to see both having cameras set back in the audience. So you get to see it, as a stage production and then also getting the tight shots and watching particularly in scenes where like Hamilton and Eliza are having a conversation or, you know, tight shots where two characters are interacting with each other and you get to see, Oh yeah, not only are they doing the big outsized performance for the, you know, the balcony, but they're also giving a nuanced facial performance. They are also making eye contact with each other. They are also engaging each other in the performance. I don't know. It's it. It just brought it to life in a way that even seeing it live had not actually managed to do for me. So. Yeah, I was okay. So here's like the main thing I I, I grasped grasped from it. You know, from from everything because like the stage production itself is incredible. Seeing it all play out live, um, the song still hits. The story still hits. It's the performances themselves from every actor basically. That really stuck out to me. That's the number one thing I took away from this. How incredible David Diggs is. How incredible uh, is it? Philippa? Philippa Sue? Philippa Sue, yeah. Jonathan Groff, Christopher Jackson, Leslie Odom Jr. Basically everybody. Anthony Ramos. Nobody gives a a weak performance in this. Nobody. Everybody just gives it their all. And I was just like stunned by almost every single... Because like all those all those actors, 
all, all their characters have at least one moment to shine. Um, especially like the standout to me, I, I, I don't know how much I, I, um, I said this back when we first recorded, but to, to me, having watched this twice now, uh, the film, I'm like, yes, David Diggs is a star. Like, <laughs> it's like, I am just happy this is captured on film, his performance, because he won the Tony for this, right? Yeah, sadly, Philippa is the only one of the of the main cast uh, who was nominated for Tonys and did not win. I don't I don't know how that happened, but like everybody else was nominated and won, and Philippa sadly was nominated but did not get her Tony, which is a crime in my opinion. That's insane to me. Because um, yeah. like they they're all they're all amazing. Um, I, I don't even know where to start because like let's let's just go to Renee. Elsie Goats Goatsberry well, Elise Elise Renee Elise Goldsberry. I'm terrible with names. Uh, Renee Goatsberry, her, her her performance, like her along with David Diggs, basically everybody else. Um, that kind of blew me away. Going back to the going back to Rewind, going you know, going back to Satisfied. Um, again that that moment once that once that hit, I'm like, yes, this is why. Like this shows me the importance of a Broadway show, uh, of of performances that like stand up against anything. Like yes, you can hear how well you know that performance is like on the cast recording, but it's not until you see it, you know, not live, but you know, just recorded here on on film that you're like, yes, it comes through. But seeing it live, it's like it gives it just more energy, more power. Just seeing that physicality, I, I guess, it it, it it blew me away. So yeah, um, she's incredible. Uh, she she's amazing, and and that perform. We'll just stick on satisfied for a little while because yeah. that is kind of her. I mean, she gives a great performance every time she's on stage, but that is her bravura performance. That's the, I mean, it's the, it's the. Uh, what is it? The 11th track um, in the of 46, I think is what I said. How many tracks there are? Uh, it's only the 11th and it's practically a showstopper. And I believe if I remember correctly, that um, when they were still uh, like in production of the, of the original show, not the film, but like when they were still um, testing it out and, and building everybody's roles and perfecting the songs and everything. Um, that song either that song wasn't there or it wasn't as strong as it was and and somebody was like you know renee is a phenomenal actress you need to you really need to give her something to do you really need to give her some some scenery to chew and she ended up with that and in many ways it is the performance of of at least the first act it's phenomenal um and that's something that you can feel or speaking for myself, that's something I can feel not only just listening to the original cast recording uh, and seeing it live, but certainly watching this film version where you do get the the tight shots and the close up, and you see that not only is she projecting her voice and you know making broad steps, but she's also crying, and you can see you can read the emotion on her face when she's when she's looking at the other actors. It's just remarkable. She she is an amazing actress. Uh, and singer and her performance there is otherworldly. Uh, Christopher Jackson as 
good old yes. George Washington. Now, yes. it again, I'm just I'm going to re, re, reemphasize this. There's only so much somebody can extract from the cast recording, and I think Christopher Jackson is a good example for me, anyway. How I didn't really get his full performance from the cast recording. Um, seeing it here performed live on film, right? I'm like, oh, <laughs> especially the, his introduction and him pulling out that yeah. sword, and and also like, oh, yeah, this is something we haven't touched on yet. The fact that yes, this was for um, uh, they recorded. Uh, well, this um, movie is cut together from three performances, um, and I think at least two of them were. Maybe all three were live, but I know they 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 broke broke it down and like did some close up shots with some um, they did. steady cams, right? Yeah, they did two days uh, over three days. Day one was a live performance with an audience. Day three was a live performance with an audience. Day two was the entire day. There was no audience in the theater, and they used that to get all the tight shots and everything. So really, the only time that shows, um, there were only a couple moments where, as I was watching, where I thought. Oh, I can tell. And again, just because I've seen it six times, um, <laughs> I can tell that there was no audience in the theater when this was shot. Like when Hamilton comes up for his very first close up and says, you know, what's your name, man? Alexander Hamilton and looks right into the camera. I could tell there was no audience in the theater for that because ever literally every t- single time I've seen it live that moment, they actually have to pause because the audience erupts <laughs> into yeah. applause. Uh, and uh, when there was no applause on that line, I was like, oh, this is one of them that was shot with no audience. And then there's a shot when uh, I think it's when King George first shows up and you get a, a camera angle from actually backstage watching him walk out towards the front of the stage. And the theater's not lit, so you can't see the audience anyways, but I, you can just tell that there's no like you don't see the the little glow of a phone screen or anything out there. You can tell that that was shot with no audience as well, but yeah like um uh, pointing out uh christopher jackson's in, um intro and the audience reaction so i i yeah i enjoy those um those the, the the applauses whenever the characters are introduced but yeah going back to your point about uh, miranda his and hamilton's introduction yeah i figured that because i saw a tweet that said oh if you want to really replicate you know the 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 broadway uh, live performance of Hamilton. Just as soon as Miranda's introduced, pause the pause the film for ten minutes and just applaud <laughs> at the screen. And I then, don't know if it yeah. actually goes on for ten minutes, but yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty explosive when it happens. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I I kind of put I kind of pieced that together that that was one of those moments where you know there was no audience because like there's it's like it, and and I guess it it. Um, Maybe it's Miranda, Miranda, Miranda just going. It's a, it's more of a character moment, not to have you know an audience applaud. Which I, this kind of uh, okay. Maybe I should jump into this now. This might be kind of controversial of me saying this. Uh oh. Um, let's get into Miranda because I do love the man and what he's done here. Okay, obviously. I mean, this is what the twelfth episode of this we're doing. I, I think I would have stopped at like three if I didn't you know enjoy what it was doing. <laughs> But I was terrified uh, all through our original recording that that's yeah. what was going to happen. But something that didn't click with me, but cl- clicks with me now watching it as a movie, as you know, as as uh, as as performance plays out through you know two two hours and forty minutes. 
And this is not like it's a total, like, I'm not, deg- I'm not this is not a negative for me. But, <laughs> Come on, I, man, own it, spit it yeah, out. No, what, what is it? Even I think Miranda, I think, believes this somewhat. Like, to me, I don't think Hamilton is the most interesting character at all. Oh, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Because like, I think everybody else just has a lot more going for them. In terms of like what I care about, and I'll say this: like as uh, you know, as I think at least the first act was finishing, I'm like, okay, this is kind of like Seinfeld. <laughs> Weird comparison, but like, wow. In 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 Seinfeld, to me, Jerry Seinfeld is the least interesting. <laughs> he just holds it all together because he's the lead, but everybody yeah. else on that show is more interesting. You know, George, I mean, Elaine, I, I, Kramer. I say this about a lot of pop culture, a lot of shows and, and films or whatever, is that oftentimes the title character or the main character is is the least interesting character on the show or in the cast. And that's I don't think that's a surprise. I still remember my first uh, comment. So famously, my wife forced me to listen to this. And uh, it, it was a tense situation where um, like, I was actually upset that she was making me stop what I was doing and listen to this. So I actually went away. I actually took a drive and listened to it in the car for the first time. And when it was done and I came back home and she was waiting for my response, I still remember saying that, um, after just this first listen, I felt like the, the women were the stronger singer, the, you know, the strongest performers, um, on my very first listen, it was like the Skylar sisters and helpless and satisfied, but those were the ones that I remembered the most. And I was like, and again, this is my first listen. I had no real context for who Lynn was or any of this stuff. And I was like, and the lead guy, you know, Hamilton, he's not the strongest singer in the world. <laughs> that was my, that was my first response to it. And, uh, obviously I've, I've warmed tremendously to the entire thing, uh, since then. And Lynn still not the strongest like singer. He does not have the strongest voice on the cast, but, um, getting to watch him perform, you see, I think he sells it well. He knows what his limitations are as far as a vocal performer. And so he makes up for that by having Hamilton's sort of insecurity, like, like just Hamilton's battle between being shy and insecure and also being just very outgoing and wanting to like <laughs> take over the world. Um, he lets that be his vocal performance instead of trying to like out belt uh, Chris Jackson or, uh, you know, Philip Sue or, or any of them people he can't possibly out sing. So, or, or, or even like, uh, be more charismatic than like David Diggs. Um, right. Yeah. Which yeah. I, I think he totally knows that. And like, yeah, yeah. Is it, it's a purposeful thing. Like, he, I mean, I, I mean, he's, he himself has said many times that like he, as he was, as he was casting this and, and writing these songs for people, like he, he had some songs, they filled the cast when he, once he realized who the cast was and what they were capable of, he added more songs. And he's, he ultimately said like, I gave all of the best stuff to the other people like Burr gets in, in his opinion, he gave some of the best stuff to Burr, obviously Leslie Odom jr. And, um, and Renee Elise Goldsberry, uh, like he, he knew where his bread was buttered and he didn't try to overplay his hand. So, yeah. Um, because I thought I, uh, second time watching this, you know, just just this after, just, just this afternoon, I'm like, 
I tried to in my head like flip flip the casting around. I go, what if like David Diggs was Hamilton? And I go, no, that that wouldn't work. Like <laughs> because like well then who would play you know Thomas Jefferson? Like uh, who who would play Lafayette? Because like in my mind, there's nobody else who could who could be that charismatic. That like God. Like, I will what? tell you. Yeah, go ahead. I, I will tell you in the. I've lost track of which performance it was. I think it was one of the Chicago performances. Uh, there's an act or no it, crap. Maybe I've seen him twice. Cause I think we saw him in Chicago and then he's from Atlanta. This actor is from Atlanta. So when we saw it in Atlanta, I think he was there as well. But um, the, the Lafayette and uh, Jefferson actor that comes closest in my opinion of the various casts I've seen uh, to David Diggs is an actor named Chris Lee. Um, okay. So I, I would certainly be fascinated to see a rendition of this where David Diggs plays Hamilton and Chris Lee plays Lafayette and Jefferson. That would be fascinating. That'd be interesting. Oh boy. Uh, okay. Um, again, I have I said it enough that I love David Diggs in this, like it's uh, his little, cause again, you don't get this in the cast recording, the stuff you see him do on stage, like his reactions, his like mm-hmm. little movements, like during uh your the 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 song where he says you'll never be president now when he's dancing basically yes. on on the desk, like that's yep. that stuff like that that's gold. Like <laughs> you're not gonna get that in the cast recording. Um, and and I think I think on the on our earlier episodes I tried to tell you about how something that doesn't cr- come across on the broad on the on the recording on the album is all of the stuff that uh, King George does. Yeah, um, like he's he's in he's in a couple of the numbers where he doesn't sing and so just listening to the album you have no idea like uh um the reynolds pamphlet when uh he's just dancing around the stage uh in just reveling in the fact that hamilton's you know life has just been destroyed (laughs) um all that funny stuff that happens in the background or or that doesn't involve actually a vocal performance it's just strictly visual um yeah, I mean that's that's all flavor that you don't get if all you're doing is listening to the recording. Oh, and something that we don't see at all or hear, I'm sorry, at all in the cast recording is I wanted to get to this. I know. I wanted to see how this I wanted to see how this hit you. Uh I've I I I already said like this thing in the first act made me emotional like five times. This is one of those times. And I can't <laughs> I I can't believe they cut this out. Of the cast recording, do you, do you, why why did they cut this out? Uh, originally, he like his original statement on it was he wanted there to be something that was stage only, so that um, that wouldn't ruin the you know it wouldn't ruin the show if you never got to hear it. But it was an extra thing that only people who got to see the stage performance would have. It's a little bonus feature, basically, um, and so that was his original statement for why they left that out, um, and. Which- since then he said, and I, I mean, I suppose I get that. I suppose, you know, it's nice if there can be something that's, you know, just for the people that see it on stage. But recently he's said that the other reason is that performance. And by the way, what we're talking about is a track called there will be more of us, which is, uh, it's between dear Theodosia and nonstop. Uh, so it's almost the very last thing. It's the next to the last thing in act one. And it's when, Hamilton finds out that uh, his friend uh, John Lawrence has died. Uh, they've won the war and everybody's celebrating, but John Lawrence didn't didn't survive. 
and it's very emotional. But that particular number is the closest that they come to having just straight dialogue, just characters talking and not actually singing. Hamilton is is one of those uh, musicals that has no. Um, I can't remember what it's called now. Is it just called the book? I can't. I've I've forgotten the term. But it's all sung like everything is performance there are no scenes where characters just talk to each other yeah. except for that shot um, yeah and even that they're kind of singing but it's it's much closer to characters just talking and so that was his other rationalization for leaving it off of the cast recording i think it now having seen it actually seen it um i think it's one of the most important things in the entire thing in the, in the play it's one of the most important character beats and one of the most important messages, I think, in the play that I just... I, I understand the rationale, Miranda's. I understand <laughs> it, cutting out of the cast recording. I just wish you would have left it in. Because <laughs> it's in those... In that short... It's not even, like, two minutes long. It's, it's, it's pretty short. It says a lot mm-hmm. about fighting for your country, for dying. Uh, the reasons why people do that the reason why uh uh uh, uh, uh lauren's in particular does it you know yeah so stuff that, things that you lose out by not having that for context um uh it obviously is one more motivating you know driving force for hamilton because that number ends with him you know it, uh, eliza reads the letter to him and he's he's totally broken up by it and you've got um Anthony Ramos standing right there at the side of the stage playing the sort of the memory or vision of Lawrence. And he says, I have so much work to do and walks off stage. Um, it's just one more uh, explanation for why Hamilton. I mean, it goes right into nonstop, which kind of is a tonal a weird shift yeah. to go from such a depressing song as uh, there will be more of us into the kind of, fun hip, you know hip-hop non-stop track yeah um just to just but to, i was gonna go say ahead. i was gonna say just to totally contradict myself that point i think you're right about too paul it is a big tonal shift because like when again i had not i don't think i had ever heard it before because i don't think it was ever or i had never looked into it really i knew about it obviously because we, we talked about it but i, I never hunted that track down i never I don't think I ever read the lyrics for it, so it was all new to me when it happened. And then once it happened, I'm like, "Wow, um, emotional!" And then it cuts to yeah, non yeah, nonstop, right? And then I'm like, "Wait a second, his friend just died. What's going on?" So it, it is a tonal shift. And again, to contradict myself, what I just said, you know, two minutes ago, okay, sure, <laughs> maybe, 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 maybe to cut out the cast recording, maybe it, it tonally makes more sense. But yeah, again, it's a powerful moment. And it is, I guess, hard to shift tonally to the final track of Act One, you know, from a, a, a sincerely emotional, powerful moment to a, a rousing end to Act One. Yeah, but the, but thematically, that lets you know. Like I said, that's that's his best. He's lost his now lost his best friend in the war. So that's one more explanation, one more reason to explain why he's nonstop. Like, why do you write like you're running out of time? Because he's just had this this reminder that, you know, he is running out of time, that you're not guaranteed tomorrow. You have to accomplish what you want to accomplish today. Um, and also going into the second act when, uh, Anthony Ramos comes back and we get the whole double casting thing. Um, 
if you don't have the context of John Lawrence from Act One has died, you lose a little bit of the mirroring uh, double casting of now having that same actor play Philip Hamilton, who also dies. Right. So. Um, and have I talked about Anthony Ramos enough? Uh, because, yeah, I, I, it's it's another performance. I think all the performances really benefit from seeing it play out on the film. Um, and he in the, in the first act, for sure, Lawrence has this just... There's a close-up of him and Miranda together. Uh, Ramos and uh, Miranda. Um, Lawrence and Hamilton. Where they're friends, but like... Ramos has this love in his eyes for <laughs> for Miranda, for Hamilton. Like, you just see it. It's like, they're friends, but he's just embracing them like, with just a tender love. And you see that play mm-hmm. out, and it's beautiful. Um, it, it, I love that main cast in the first act, just how they're just the best of friends, and you get that immediately. The chemistry just works between them. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so again, he's amazing. Who else can I say is amazing? Leslie Odom Jr. Um, <laughs> I mean, for God's sakes, I finally get. I mean, just hearing the cast recording, I understood him as a character, sure. But there was a more. There was more of a sense of just seeing the performance play out of this anger that I guess I didn't really get through the cast recording, through you know, through just the songs. The performance elevates it to something more. I can't even describe what it is. It, it's an anger. It's there's this passion inside him. It's not like vengeance. It's not like hatred. Really, it's just he's just angry at the world, and there's like no. It, he's just hard pressed to just control that anger. Um, yeah, it's 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 a multi-dimensional performance. Uh, by by Oldham Jr. That just that I understood why, like he he won the Tony, right? And I think he won it over mm-hmm. Miranda, right? Like he like they were both in the same category at the at the, at, uh, at the Tonys, and it, it's it was a rightful win for him because he <laughs> he just blew me away and just just what he had to just carry he had, he was the narrator for the entire thing and he had to carry the play in terms of the story and you you're with him the entire time. And it's not one thing just to have just a villainous, you know, bad guy who shoots your hero at the end, but you have to have somebody who you're with in terms of character, in terms of a story. Mm-hmm. You understand where he's coming from, um, which is like, it, it doesn't paint him as a villain. It just paints him as somebody who just he he's misunderstood, and he's like he himself is not um, not in touch with himself enough to understand. You know his his final decisions I mean, at the end. As with so many of the performers, particularly like uh, Renee Renee Elise Goldsberry as um, Angelica, I think the two of them had probably the most challenging performance. They were called upon to do some of the most challenging stuff, um, and it's because they both had to play characters who were um, not necessarily showing like outwardly demonstrating what their true inner feelings were um a lot of a lot of the nuance of those characters has to be you know you have to read between the lines if you're listening to the to the song or you have to really 
squint through your opera glasses if you're at the theater (laughs) or in the case of disney plus you get to just watch it projected on your wall in high def but a lot of their performance is is more subtle than that and in the case of of burr of leslie odom jr he not only had to narrate the entire thing and his narration actually has to has to have an arc because when he begins as the narrator he's kind of he's just the narrator like it's he's almost presenting these facts uh, just cold, just factually. He's not inflecting them necessarily with the character's own personal emotions. But as the as the play goes on, um, more of Burr's own personal frustrations and ambitions and anger and hurt and all that stuff comes through into his actual narration. So, um, I mean that that's that's a challenge that you don't you can't necessarily really recognize as happening if you're just listening to the the cast recording um, and there was actually a performance uh, watching it this time as a film that moved me more than it has before and it's the um, I'm not going to remember what song it was but it was the when uh, Burr is campaigning and he's like you know shake hands with him charm her uh, you know it's 1800 ladies tell your husbands vote 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 for burr and he's being very energetic and he's enthusiastic and just the way he walks and he's got uh this very painted on smile as he's handing out his flyers to everybody trying to get them to vote for him um and then when he talks to hamilton and hamilton's like i've never seen you like you go for what you want or whatever and he's like yes it's it's draining i've actually learned it by watching you um that performance this time around watching the film version was very moving to me because it was, especially when it doesn't work, especially when he puts that much of himself, that's as close as he's ever come to, to not waiting for something for like going out and trying to get something. And then it is taken away from him. Uh, it's snatched away from him, uh, in a, in an ugly, brutal way. And like my heart actually broke for Burr in that moment in a way that it hasn't any of the other times I've ever seen it or listened to the recording. No, yeah, there's like, uh, it's uh, the election of 1800 is a song you're talking Thank about, you. Paul. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, yeah, there's this manic energy in that be- in the beginning of that song. I think you're 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 talking about too. Um, yeah, it's it's a manic energy that does not come across to the cast recording. And then at the very end, yeah, again, like like you're saying, Paul, he's just heartbroken, and the camera just sticks on his face as Hamilton makes his decision. You know, picks Jefferson. And and even like when like the lights aren't even on him anymore, the camera tracks him in the dark, which I think was it's like it's like a super ominous shot that's totally on purpose, and it works <laughs> just so well in 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 the in the film format that you don't get that in the, in the even watching it live, you know. Um, there was some discussion online. Oh, I say discussion. I was like a tweet saying this, but <laughs> and, and 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 I sincerely think people also think this too. You know, they wouldn't consider this like a film per se, you know, like a film film. Uh, I don't generally agree with that because, you know, performances like this, and even concert films, can be considered film films. I mean, what about um, Stop Making Sense? Like, that's one of the best films ever, and it's a concert film. Even uh, another demi-concert film, um, the Justin Timberlake one, uh, the the Tennessee Kids, like, that's a great film and concert film. And I would place that amongst that. Like this is a great film, and that yes, it's a it's a cast. You know, it's it's a performance that's been recorded, but 
it's been pieced together from the performances. There are shots in it that are completely like like on purpose, like it, it, emotional cuts, emotional beats, um, editing, all that. It's not just one you know static shot of the whole thing. is It's purposeful and it's editing and it's cutting and it's close up. So. Uh, for anybody who says this is this isn't like a, a you know a film, I don't know what to say to you. I don't know, you're wrong, <laughs> because because <laughs> I, I think it, it, you know through um, through like the the fundamentals of filmmaking, it is uh, shots in a way to elicit you know emotion. So to me, that constitutes a film. You know, it checks off all the yeah. boxes. So yeah, it, it definitely does that. Um, looking at my notes, I mean, I really just wanted, I wrote down basically all the cast members because like <laughs> their, like their performances are the reason why I think at the end of the day, this just hits me, I think in a big way, just every single performance. Um, well, let me, let me ask you, let me ask you, um, so you've already, you've already singled out and, and we've talked ad nauseum about, um, satisfied. Were there any other, and you can't just say the whole thing. That's the whole cheating. thing. Oh man. <laughs> no, no, you can't do that. Uh, what other like moments, what other set pieces or, or performances um, or numbers like really just took your breath away or were, were, I don't know, stand out to you as something that you never possibly could have imagined while we were talking about this before. I mean, I, uh, that, that one's hard to say. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> I think I think the I think the cabinet battles are an example of uh-huh. like it's it's it, even you described it well in the early episodes, and even like on the cast recording, I had like a good layout of my mind of of it playing out. But then seeing it on stage, the interaction that the actors have with the crowd. That's something mm-hmm. again. You can't replicate that on a cast recording. You can't replicate that just through listening to the songs. There's that spontaneity. There's that energy there that I'm glad you know is here on film captured because I wouldn't have, would not have gotten that otherwise. You know, um, obviously if I had gone seen it live, it would have been there. But no, like I'm glad that's there and it's something I'm happy to have seen. So that's an example. I think what of something like. I I thought of, but really didn't get a, a, a full grasp of until watching it in the film. Uh, I mean, my f- my favorite song from the entire album, maybe Yorktown, and then seeing that play out here was amazing. That kind of just blew my mind. It's hard. I'm looking through the cast. I'm looking through the ca- the, the the album and the songs. And I'm like, God, they're all just. They're all so good. <laughs> yeah, it's hard yeah. to even pick. Okay, uh, the end. Let's. Uh, how about um, who lives, who dies, who tells your story? Um, okay. That one. Okay, yeah, that's a good example. Okay, here we go, Paul. Here's. I think this may be uh, the answer you're looking for. Okay. So of course, like that song is truly emotional. Hits me every time. Um, one thing that I got from watching it on film. Uh, that I didn't get from the cast recording was, you know, the movements of, you know, in my head, I, I, did, I did envision, um, who is it? Uh, uh, Eliza. Eliza being the, at the forefront, and she is the, at the forefront, right? Um, right? And it is a beautiful moment where 
Eliza and Hamilton, they like on the rotating stage, they come together for a bit and then they break away and Eliza's at the forefront at the very end. And something I did not expect, something that took me completely by surprise was like her final, like, like breaths of air, like her final, like emotional reaction to, I'm assuming like her final breaths, right. Her, like her dying. That's I think what's playing, what's, what's happening. Right, Paul. That's, that's certainly how I've always viewed it, apparently, and I was unaware of this, but apparently there is some debate amongst fans at the moment about what that ending actually means, like whether or not she's, whether it means like that's her dying breath or whether she, some people view it as she's getting, you know, a glimpse of the other side, which is how the, the play frames it repeatedly. It's, um once characters have died, they go on to the other side. And this is her in her final moments. She sees the other side. She sees whatever one sees on the other side, Hamilton, Washington, God, whatever. Um, other people interpret that as a sort of meta commentary where the character, the, the, the character of Eliza Hamilton, who is talking about, um, you know, putting herself back in the narrative and telling, telling these people's stories and have I done enough? And will our, will our stories live on sees the audience and gasps because she now has some recognition of the fact that their stories have in fact lived on after them or whatever. So it's one of those weird things that people can interpret different ways. I just want to say one thing about it before you tell me how you felt. Well, no, never mind. Cause I don't, I don't want to influence your opinion. No, you tell me. How did you f- yeah, no, no, no. Uh, okay, what's what's a question, Paul? Let's 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 have this play out. I was just going to say, how did you feel about that? Like, you started to talk about it, and and I don't know if that did it bother you that it ended that way, or was that super powerful for you, or what? Okay, I'm glad I saw it twice because when I first saw it, I was I wouldn't say confused. I was just like trying to process it, and and I was completely caught off guard. That it felt like it felt like a very real moment at the very end of of the play, where I initially thought it ended one way because that of course that's not on the cast recording. <laughs> You're not gonna right, get that right. gasp at, in the cast recording, and it took me by surprise in, in, watching it first. Okay, then seeing it again today, yeah, I I I I, I it, it it I had time to process it, and and like I was alluding to when I first brought it up to me, it does feel like it is kind of a, you know, not to spoil the end of six feet under, but like kind of like a six feet under, you know, life flashing before your eyes sort of thing. Like uh-huh. it's, and it's her last kind of gasps and like her seeing, yeah, the other side. And it, it, it is, it's, it's not like, it's not a cheesy moment. Like, like maybe if if nobody has watched this yet and listened to this first off you're insane second off like <laughs> us trying to describe this it may sound cheesy of like a woman on stage you know gra- gasping and like either it's like her last breath or seeing the audience like it could come off as like a cheesy i don't know even campy moment but like because she's an amazing actress yeah it's powerful and I took it for me, yeah. Again, I think it's up to interpretation. It sounds like to me, I took it as like, like a, a, a finale of her seeing the other side and it being a beautiful moment by the end. So, right. again, right. it first took me by surprise, but after processing it, yeah. Um, and, and, and I guess going going to your point, 
of you know seeing something that like I could have never imagined. You know, having it end that way. Again, I'm glad this is a film that I can experience, and and having you know this be as close to replicating it, it you know me seeing it on stage. I'm happy for that. So that's a moment where I could say, yeah, I'm happy this exists. I'm happy I'm seeing it this way because I could have never seen it this way before because I, I, w- I would have never gotten into <laughs> seeing the original cast, uh, you know, performing this on stage. Yeah. I still, I still have complicated feelings about that final gasp because um, like you said, it's not on the cast recording if your only familiarity with this is listening to the cast recording, you know, that final song gradually fades out. The choir just gets quiet and it fades out into silence. And it's a very powerful sort of fade to black moment. Um, Whereas this, so I think it was when we saw the original cast, uh, when we saw it on Broadway, it was Philippa performing. And I think it was her that did this. Um, it's hard to remember now, but, uh, it was, in fact, I'm just going to have to double down and say that it was the original because, because it, it had to have been the original. Cause it was my first time experiencing that wasn't expecting it. You know, you don't, you, you don't know that that's coming. And so when it happened and Philippa Sue has said that, you know, she performs it differently every time. Like it's, it, she waits to see what the emotion of it is going to be for, be like for her each night. And sometimes she pictures different things. So she's feeding into this whole, it's open to interpretation thing. Sometimes she says she actually does look at the audience and some, and maybe even a single person in the audience and react to that person. And other times she's imagining that she sees Hamilton or whatever. So her performance can change from time to time. When we saw her, perform it the first time this is our first experience with the last gasp it actually my memory is it actually seemed more like a scream like it was almost a frightened uh, you terrified know, scream i you know just to break in for a second i think that was my prob- problem in quotes when i first saw it because it felt to me more of a scream but uh-huh. like it, it's weird how your mind works and me seeing it again seeing it again just this afternoon I, I took it less as, as a scream and more of a, um, I guess, joyful gasp. Right. So right, right. Yeah, I could, I could see it, it, you know, people saying it's a scream. Yeah. That might, that might be what it was. It might not actually have been that it was just cause it was our first time hearing it. And we were like, my wife and I, you know, are sobbing in the theater and then that happens. And we're both like, what the, what the <laughs> hell was that? What just happened? <laughs> so yeah, that, it's a complex moment for us at least. And so I've seen a lot of people um, on social media talk about how powerful they find that moment. And that's awesome. I'm glad that so many people find it powerful and, and with multiple viewings, I also find it powerful, but it just shocked me so much the very first time that I'm still like, I don't know. I'm, I maybe prefer the cast record. I prefer just fading out maybe even to having that gasp at all. But, but in my head, let's just say like moments like the gasp at the end or even seeing like um, King George dance, you know, halfway through act two, like that Mm -hmm. stuff lives in my mind as the film. And to me, I think the cast recording, it's its own separate thing to me. This is how I am. I'm playing it out of my head. So at the beginning of this episode, an hour ago, I said, I, you know, the cast album recording is more like a concept album. You know, right? Like yeah. one of you know one of those albums that tells a story on its own. And I think it still works that way, 
but moments that you only see in the film are are special to the film and you know what one thought went, that ran through my mind i'm like are they going to put out the songs here as its own album like there's yeah because it there there are differences right there are slight yeah, little yeah. tweaks and little little changes to the tracks obviously that you get because it's it's cut together from like three live performances but I think I I don't know I actually don't know if they had or if they've done it already I don't know but I think it'd be weird to have this as like its own album <laughs> because mm. I don't know it just lives as as the film it's like its own thing like it, yeah do, do you kind of see where I'm coming from Paul because like I I do I yeah. do actually and and in fact the um, it in recent years. I mean, I say recent years, but it's been it's been several years. Gradually, as I've gotten older, I've become more and more comfortable with the notion of adaptations, or or even remakes. I mean, we can all roll our eyes at the notion that they, you know, are remaking every film from twenty years ago or whatever. And there's a certain eye rolling, <laughs> you know, that's necessary here. But I've I actually kind of go to stage productions as a way of of thinking about this in my head where shakespeare wrote a play and we have now experienced like shakespeare wrote hamlet and we have now experienced a hundred a thousand different takes on that original play and each one of them is in its own way valid and so i'm i try to look now at pop culture in that light where if somebody you know, wants to remake, I, I'm shuddering even as I say this, but if somebody wants to remake the princess bride, I mean, okay, it doesn't, it doesn't erase the existence of the original princess bride, which I adore and love. Um, it's just another version of this same story. And so, yeah, I kind of like your interpretation of, you know, the cast recording is a concept album. And then this film that we're watching is, is, another version of the same story and eventually they're going to release the rights to these to like high schools and colleges to start performing, you know, putting on stage performances of this and every performance of those of that will be slightly different and they will each in their own way be valid and unique and original. So I don't know. I I've, I've taken to the, the Broadway stage performance or the, the play performance as a, a way of, of looking at all pop culture in those terms. And I, I know we, I'm sure we touched on this, but I just don't actually remember us touching on it. Like um, how uh, how this may become adapted into a feature film. And I've read recently that Miranda's like, yeah, probably not going to happen. You know, I think if he, <laughs> I think a few years ago he was like, eventually, maybe in like five or ten years or who, or whenever. But I think most recently he's like, probably not. Um, because I, I that went through my mind watching this, and yeah, I, I'll give my quick thoughts on that. Um, and I, I'm pretty sure I, I think we even like fan casted it, like we picked directors maybe in, in a previous episode. I don't remember. That seems like something we did. Uh, but like, <laughs> seems like fun, but I don't remember it. <laughs> but like in my head, I'm like, and this and this kind of leads into something else I want to talk about too. There's just so much happening already here in two hours and 40 minutes that I feel like if you were to do a film adaptation like in 2020 and beyond, you know, the next decade, 
you'd have to expand on a lot of what's going on here. Um, I think you'd have to, and you'd have to consider making it like a mini series. Um, that's my thought. I mean, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the only other way that I could see doing it is you'd have to you'd have to dramatically pare down the number of songs. Like if you wanted to do like, I mean, there've been film, there've been at least two, maybe more film versions of like Les Mis. And I don't know, cause I am not that familiar with Les Mis, but I assume that the, like the Liam Neeson film version of Les Mis probably didn't have every song from the stage production of Les Mis. I could be wrong. People write in, correct me if you want. But <laughs> so I just imagine that, at two hours, 40 minutes of nothing but just straight song back to back, there's no possible way they could get all of these into a film. And so they'd have to like pick and choose what songs were included. Yeah. Because um, I think even Miranda himself, and I just did this quick little research, not even research. I think I read a Wikipedia page or something. He said like <laughs> he, uh, to, he, of course he couldn't incorporate everything he wanted to. Like he may have at one point had like six hours worth of stuff. But he, right. per- he had to pick and choose and pared it down to two hours and 40 or however long the you know stage play is, really. Um, but yeah, because, okay, we're living in 2020, Paul. and yes. we're, we're, we're surviving 2020. Well, I don't know if we're living. Before we're going to touch on what I want to touch on, and what I want to touch on is kind of like how this plays out in 2020, like in, in, a, in a time when uh, Black Lives Matter uh, protests mm-hmm. are happening and monuments... Uh, uh, of you know certain uh, uh, figures from the past are falling you know righteously. Before before I touch on that, you know that kind of that topic. Is there anything else we talk about in terms of the film, Paul? Uh, because we know I we've already talked for like an hour and twenty about this, know. you know, and we could talk more. Maybe we will, we will talk more in the future. But as of right now, is there anything else we talk about in terms of the film? I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily think so i i I want to be sure that you've said everything you want to say about it since like i mean this is you've you've popped your hamilton cherry basically with this so (laughs) again you should see my notes it's it is just a it is i just started writing little notes and then i just ended up just writing everybody's name um and their and their characters (laughs) oh here's here's one ariana debose as yes the bullet Okay. Yes, I I know. I tried to explain yeah. that whole thing yeah. in our discussions, and it was amazing to see her, because um, I, I did see some uh, before the film was released. I did see some uh, admiration for her on Twitter, and I'm like, who is she? The bullet. Okay, I'll I'll find that. I'll figure that. You know, I'll, I'll find that out for myself when I see the movie. And she's not only the bullet that you know, spoiler kills Hamilton. Like, um, and I say bullet for anybody who hasn't seen it yet. Um, when the shot is fired, uh, she just makes a little, uh, she's like, she's holding the bullet from the point of the gun to, you know, and she's carrying it to Hamilton. So that's, yeah, she, she's walking in slow motion with her pinched fingers representing the bullet moving towards its target. Yeah. You know, she's not only the bullet there, but she's also, um, various characters in the background. She's part of the ensemble cast. Um, I think she's she's a highlight, and I think the entire ensemble is amazing. But she stood out to me, um, and I, I looked into her, and apparently she's going to be in West Side Story. Uh, yeah, she's the female lead in West Side Story. Yeah, she's playing Anita. Um, yeah, I'm excited for that movie. I'm excited to see her in a huge role. Um, 
well, we'll see when that movie comes out. I don't know. <laughs> um, not only is the pandemic a problem, but I think the lead actor in that movie is a problem, and we'll see what happens with that movie. <laughs> for, for, any, for anybody who doesn't know, I don't want to get into it, but look it up. Um, but I certainly hope that it'll be out sooner than later because, yeah, just from seeing her... Because I, I don't think she she may have like one line, maybe one line thrown in, she, in the entire thing. Yeah, I think I think her only spoken line is she is the she's one of the two women that uh, Philip Hamilton uh, goes to talk to when he's trying to track down Eaker. Um, yeah, and uh, she's the one that says, you know, I'm looking for I can't remember his name, Roger Eaker. I, I don't remember what the character, what the guy's name was now, uh, but she's like, uh, I saw him just a minute. Or down the road, just a couple of blocks. I think he's at a theater or whatever she says. Um, so there's a, there's an article and most of this stuff, maybe all of this stuff I already knew. And I think a lot of it, I tried to talk about on, on our previous episodes, but uh, all collected in one place. Uh, it's, it's a good article to read just to have it all spelled out for you. Um, Screen rant, uh, the writer, Hannah Shaw Williams and, and, uh, Marcelo, I can give you the link to this if you need. Yeah. Uh, a couple days ago, put out an article called Hamilton's Secret Character, How Death Appears Throughout the Show. And it talks about her and her role as the bullet, but also how every time she appears as an ensemble character in the background, she's playing a significant uh, sort of foreshadowing. Like she interacts with characters that die later on or whatever. And, and her placement in the background as part of the ensemble is significant pretty much everywhere she is. So, Oh yeah. Um, she's amazing. And I th- <laughs> she stands out because she's pivotal. And I think I did catch those moments where kind of, she, she plays pivotal parts in the background. Um, and also one thing is like her hair is a signature that I'm like, I, I, yeah. I, of course I couldn't like, you know, miss her. Cause like she's, she's hard to miss in a good way. I, I, I like her right. a lot. Um, Again, the entire cast here uh, is amazing. Uh, I love this film because it has these amazing performances, this amazing story. Um, I'm glad I saw it. Obviously, I've seen, I saw it twice in the last uh, few days, and I'm happy to see it again. Um, Paul, here, here, okay, here's the tease. We, we, I want to get this up first. Um, do, I, do you want those numbers? Yes. You know what? Reveal those numbers right now for anybody waiting an hour and twenty minutes for those numbers. I, do, I don't. This is this is a big you know the big build up for something that probably doesn't matter much. <laughs> and again, again, this is this is at least a day old from the time of this recording. But according to Variety, uh, the week this weekend, um, so I guess that's the third, fourth, and fifth maybe. Uh, the Disney Plus app was downloaded 266,084 times in the United States alone. Worldwide, the numbers were even more impressive, with 513,323 total downloads. U.S. downloads show a 72.4% increase compared to the average of weekend downloads in June. There you go. Those are big numbers. And I don't, so, I don't know how many people already have Disney Plus. Um, right, right. But, uh, yeah, uh, I don't, you know, I, I, maybe even next time we come back, I'll do some more research and see, maybe find exact numbers of how many people have seen Hamilton. Maybe I'll tweet about it. I'll go, hey, like this tweet if you've seen Hamilton. And then that'll be a, sci- <laughs> that'll be a scientific enough approach to the whole Yeah, thing. you'll just count the responses and that's <laughs> exactly. how many people have seen Hamilton. Oh, 120? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that, that seems right. That, that seems, seems right. right. Okay. Um, I didn't want to touch on this um, because this came to mind um, this past week. Uh, and it's 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 a more serious discussion than I think we've ever had, and I wanted to bring it up here, not to just 
throw this on you, but I'm sure you've heard the criticisms, especially now. This is in the last week. Um, uh-huh. But I've had this in mind because it's it's 2020, and you know things for me rightfully have like shifted in my mind, and like um, I, I come to this still considering Hamilton as like an achievement in storytelling, um, the casting, uh, the production, everything. I think it's important. Um, but one thing I've been considering is like how. The story itself plays on, you know, historical figures that are controversial in their own right. Um, mm-hmm. And that I'm wrestling with, Paul, like even like George Washington, you know, is not the best guy in real life, you know. Right. And, you know, Thomas Jefferson, of course, wasn't. Um, so I've been reading more of that this past week because even Lynn Manuel Miranda tweeted out. I'm sure you saw this, Paul. Um, and you know, with the criticism coming in because the movie was released, he's like, "Well, all criticism is valid. Like, eh, right. everybody deserves to have a you know deserves to have their voice heard. Um, any any complaints that you have, um, it's it's important to have them play out and have that conversation be had, especially now. Um, so, I want to get your opinion on that, Paul, because it is tough. It's it's rough because c- considering <laughs> considering this was made. You know, in the Obama era, which I think was a more, it was a different time than now. <laughs> yes. um, shifting yes. now to 2020, it's it's interesting to see how it doesn't. It feels to me a little dated, um, because it has that sort of sense of hope that just has kind of gone away. <laughs> Does that make sense? And also, how we view historical figures has shifted. Um, not to say that this is at all like a bad thing, a bad statement, you know, it's not a, a condemnation of Hamilton, but the way I see it is people need to do their due diligence and like, not only do you have to be cognizant of like, um, that these are based on real life characters and sure the story is amazing, but you have to do some work in like. Do some research, <laughs> you know. Do you know? Do your reading. Like, know who these people actually were. You can appreciate the story, but there's, you know, you just listening to it and appreciating it. It's not enough. So that's kind of that my kind of my lesson. It's like there's only enough you can do by just listening to it. You have to kind of do the work. And I think even the I think even the play tells you that itself. It's like it's not enough just to just stand silent. You have to just kind of keep at it keep doing the work just be more aware of what you take in so yes yeah so very very briefly i i (laughs) i feel called out because on social media i've been very i'm pushing back against some of the some forms of this criticism that have been uh leveled um i agree with everything that you just said and i 100 percent agree with um I mean, it shouldn't just be in this day and age. It It's unfortunate that, you know, we're framing this as because it's 2020 and we live in the world we're in now, you should do your research and know who these people really were. It should have always been that way. But in context, absolutely. You should, you should, you know, if this play does anything to get you interested in history or whatever, go back and find out what these people were really like. Um, I, my feelings on this topic are way more complicated than they could ever be about the 
Eliza's final gasp or scream or whatever that was. I have way more conflicted and complicated feelings on this. By and large, I feel like this is a work of art. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it is meant primarily for entertainment purposes. Uh, and if it makes you ask questions, that's awesome. I feel like it should be possible to enjoy this for what it is. And also separate from this, be able to recognize who the real Alexander Hamilton was and what he did and why he did it. And likewise, Thomas Jefferson and, um, and, and all of them, uh, George Washington, um, where I get one of the reasons why my feelings on this are so complex is that often, not always, but often what I'm seeing are people holding up the criticism of Hamilton, an American musical is not historically accurate and therefore is, is less than it's like, so years ago when the greatest American show, uh, uh, the greatest showman came out, which I love that film about, uh, uh, P.T. Barnum. Yeah, I absolutely love that film and that musical. Uh, but the real life P.T. Barnum was kind of a piece of shit. And uh, I got a lot of pushback from people saying, how can you like that movie? It's not historically accurate. P.T. Barnum was a piece of shit. And I'm like, I don't like the historical P.T. Barnum. I like the music and the performances in the film, The Greatest Showman. There's a big difference. And I'm seeing a lot of pushback against Hamilton saying, uh, I don't enjoy the musical uh, because the real Alexander Hamilton was kind of a piece of shit. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess that's your choice, but Lin-Manuel Miranda didn't set out to make uh, a history textbook. He didn't make this play to be an educational film for, you know, grade schools or junior high. Um, It's a piece of entertainment. And if it makes you ask questions, awesome, but don't lessen its entertainment value because the real life Alexander Hamilton wasn't a rap impresario yeah and i i share that belief too paul you know don't don't get me wrong like i uh, and and also going back to my point i think in the last four years it's been eye-opening i know some people do do their due diligence they do do their homework right but like after the 2016 election i i know for sure there have been a lot of people who were just just (laughs) not only in terms of like pop culture but in terms of everything politics just lazy sons of bitches and not you're not being active in anything not participating in anything so it's that laziness that kind of infuriates me and just connect with hamilton like it's sort of like the character in get out who's like yeah i would have voted for obama you know three times like (laughs) some people think just watching the thing just appreciating it that's enough i don't think it is um, right. So that's one thing. That's one thing I want to get across. I think I think it's just magnified more in 2020 because it's just we're just more aware of it. it it's it's been a whole turning point. So that I want to get across. But also, yeah. <laughs> this is this comparison may get me um, may have listeners just turn off the podcast right now. But I <laughs> I kind of view this as as comparable to like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, where I understand the context of that and how that, of course, that's not historically accurate, <laughs> how right. that's telling a story um, that I think is powerful, that I think is emotional, that I think is beautiful at times, but it is not historically accurate. It requires more of an audience, um, and it has controversial figures that 
even that, that you don't understand are fairly controversial until you look into it. Um, I know it, it's it's a weird analogy, but I see. Yeah. No, actually, actually, that actually that's a pretty good comparison because I know. I know that film also got a little bit of pushback. I mean, nothing like <laughs> what's going on right now, but that film also got a little bit of pushback for its uh, historical inaccuracies. And I feel, I feel kind of the same way with that, where, you know, that was a piece of entertainment and it's, yeah. it absolutely should be possible and you should be allowed to enjoy it as a piece of entertainment. And if it does, as I think it did make some people ask questions about the real people that were involved in that story or the real events that that fictionalized film represented, you know, all, all the better. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I wanted to bring that up because I don't think we've ever had that discussion. And to me, I don't think that discussion ever really, uh, fully, uh, came to mind until like just these past few weeks. Um, so yeah, I saw through that lens and even through all that, even like considering that, even like kind of doing some research on it, I still find the story powerful um but yeah i st- i have now this desire to just read up on every single person depicted in this play and kind of like just have them be in my mind like fully re- fully realized not characters but like people and and mm-hmm. i'm more interested in history in that perspective so and that one again cut you know cut back to 4 years ago i was not in that position i i was like okay fine good play you know good music done but now i'm like <laughs> I may have learned something in the last four years, Paul. So um, that's well. Like, I think we all. I think we all have. Yeah, I think, I think we, we all have. have. Um, yeah, I just wanted to point that out. And again, like Miranda tweeted out, like all criticism is valid. Just consider all the points. Um, but uh, but yeah, uh, I'm with you, Paul. It's 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 a piece of art. It's a piece of entertainment. Sure, it's not historically accurate, but man, is it? Uh, it, it's still valid so yeah that's i think that's what i want to get across paul um i think that's it thanks the episode paul uh we did it that was it hamilton the movie <laughs> we, we did it we did it we uh four years ago we were talking about uh would this day ever happen i know we made more than one joke in our original run about how you know, maybe someday we'll come back if they ever make a movie out of this. Yeah, but hey, here we are. Here we are. The day has happened. Um, okay, I want to allude to this. I, I talked to you off mic about this. Um, to me, like I was, uh, I was considering bringing clips to this show, to this episode, for this, um, for the movie. But I, I, to me, it'd be like, okay, uh, we're just redoing the initial series, just me playing clips of the original cast recording. Um, what what I would find interesting to do, and this is all really you know, if you're up for it, Paul. Um, I I kind of want to do a commentary, uh, you know, with us watching the movie and commentating over it, um, because I think that would be a nice um, uh, uh, counterbalance to listening to the cast up and recording, you know, four years ago is us commentating on the visuals, uh, for a commentary on Hamilton the movies. Uh, I um I would be certainly open to that possibility. I feel like um like I've done commentary tracks for films in the past on on my regular podcast Gobbledy Geek and uh usually when I've done those uh in the past I've always tried to bring like a lot of a lot of sort of trivia or behind the scenes knowledge or whatever to the film. I'm like why would anybody listen to a commentary if they didn't want to learn something about the film? Uh and since I'm not 
a filmmaker, filmmaker, let alone the filmmaker responsible for any of these movies. I don't know how valid that approach has been. Um, however, in this particular case, I feel like I sort of uh, spent myself <laughs> in our previous episodes throwing out all the trivia and background information that I was aware of as we were talking about the music. So if I were to participate in a commentary track, I think what you'd get from me at least is just my emotional response in the moment to watching this stuff play out on screen. And if that's something that people are interested in, I'm down for it. Uh, I think so. I know I'd be interested in that. Um, I think what you're alluding to is like hearing you cry on mic. So I'm like, yeah, let's do that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah, pretty much that would absolutely happen. Yeah. And I, and I wouldn't interrupt the flow by saying, Oh, did you know that this actor when they were 14 (laughs) years old did this? I I wouldn't throw that kind of stuff in there. And I go, of course I know that Paul, because you told me that on episode three of the podcast where it happens. Right. Yeah. Right. See, um, but yeah, uh, uh, as for me, um, you know, I, I, you know. Funnily enough, I've been watching Hamilton the movie in the background as we we're recording. Um, Look at you! Yeah, I'm kind of like already uh, in my head uh, commentating on it already. This uh, this has been a commentary. Yeah, the, you know, <laughs> s- sync this up with uh, the movie from the start. And r- right now, I'm, I'm I'm at the point where um, where Philip is rapping uh, for his dad. So, and hey, you know, one thing I I missed uh, from the cast recording and got to see here was, um, was, uh, who was, uh, Eliza doing the beatbox. (laughs) Yes. It's so precious. A nice little, (laughs) nice little moment. But yeah. Okay. So I'm not going to make any promises. It might not be right away. It might be in a few weeks that we come together and do a commentary. And if anything, uh, I would, I'd like to split that up in, in two parts because, uh, doing a commentary, at all for any movie is kind of hard to do because you have to sit at your desk for two hours and, and make words happen. But you know, so, so I, I recommend we do three episodes. We do an oh. episode, a commentary episode for act one, an, a commentary episode for act two. And we do an, uh, a commentary episode for the intermission. I'm totally kidding. <laughs> I don't, you know I'm what? Totally kidding. We're doing it. We're doing a, a, a commentary episode for the one minute intermission. Oh, yes. By the way, how long are the intermissions normally uh, for the, for the live uh, productions? I think, I think it's 15 minutes. 15 minutes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I had that in mind. Um, Cause obviously my intermission for watching this for the first time was four days. So, right. Yeah. They're not usually that long. No. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. That was our episode on Hamilton, the movie, which I think is just called Hamilton on IMDb and Wikipedia. But I think on the podcast, I just call it Hamilton, the movie, because uh, imagine just me titling this episode Hamilton. What else? What else are we going to fucking talk about? Hamilton. Uh, But no, this is Hamilton, (laughs) the movie. Thank you, Paul, as always. Uh, It was a joy talking to you. and I hope to talk to you again real soon before we go plugs where can people listening find you online well if you want my contentious social media interactions you can find me me personally on twitter at haunt 1013 that's h-a-u-n-t 1013 um i'm on facebook my name is paul smith uh you can sort through the hundreds of thousands of paul smiths to find the right one um my other podcasts include my regular pop culture podcast gobbledygeek you can find that at gobbledygeekpodcast.com um, I also do the Avatar Returns, uh, where we discuss uh, the animated series Avatar: The Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra. I'm currently doing Conversations with Dead People, uh, a postmortem podcast on the works of Joss Whedon, primarily Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel the Series. There you go. Check that out, folks. 
As for me, talkfromsociety.com, if you're listening to this, you should know about that site, hopefully. Or, you know, maybe you're searching Hamilton and you find the podcast. You may have found the podcast feed by itself. Um, This is hosted by Talk From Society, a great little website I'm the editor-in-chief of, uh, where we write reviews and analysis of film and also do podcasts. So check that out, talkfromsociety.com. Patreon, patreon.com slash talk from society for bonuses, commentaries, episodes, etc. Um, yeah, check us out. We're good. That's it, Paul. Um, <laughs> thank you. And here we go. Final, the, the catchphrase we always close out the show on. <laughs> um, hey, Paul. Hey, listeners. Don't throw away your shot. Works every time. Nailed it.